0: Over the years as an operative, I've played endless amounts of roles to get closer to targets and infiltrate criminal organisations. Today I'm talking to my producer Adam about some of the most challenging and memorable situations I've experienced pursuing criminals undercover. From Storic Media, you're listening to Codename Siren a true crime podcast with Nina Hobson.
1: I don't think that we've explored really a whole lot of sort of the detail involved in kind of going undercover, playing a role. What would you call that? Well, I say a role.
0: You, can, you kind of are playing a role. It's kind of like an acting skill because you become somebody that you're not necessarily are. So you have to fit the, the role, the role of who you're trying to infiltrate or get knowledge on or befriend. And I think that when you, you go into these situations, obviously you have prior knowledge to what you're trying to achieve and who you are going to associate with. So that's, that's a benefit that you have that. So then, you can create your role to fit that person. It's like doing a dating app pretext. You know, you know, if you are trying to attract someone on a dating app for a, for purposes of not dating, but more for infiltration, you know what their likes and what their preferences are. So you can create your profile to to do that. And it's it's the same when you're you're going undercover and you're working in an environment that isn't your. Your normal day-to-day.
1: How intricate and how detailed do you have to go into sort of being able to answer any questions or looking, dressing the part of that sort of, we'll call it a character or a role?
0: Oh, you have to go into as much, you know, the the actual meeting the target and becoming that role is the last thing. It, you know, the background is so important so that you can answer any question. Now, it's not something that everyone can do either. Because you have to think five steps ahead of you. So what if they throw this question? And when I was doing the undercover copper, there was a moment when one of the officers, who I didn't like at all, we were outside. Everyone was, not everyone, but a few people were having a cigarette. And we were kind of in a circle. And I had my camera on at the time because it was in my vest. And he turned around and said, you're making a TV show, right? And I'm like, holy shit, because they knew that I had media background. so it. And I just literally stood my ground and went, yeah, yeah, I am. And actually, that's not your best side. So if you want to turn, I can get you better on my camera and you look better. That's great. And, of course, that just totally diffused the situation. You know, in, inside your heart's going, does he really think I'm making a TV show? Or now, does he... Maybe think I'm making a TV show and I've got to watch my back more, but it was a. It's about you know I've just got to be steps and steps in front, and um, there was a, again thinking on your feet is what you have to do. And there was another scenario where I was with a really not nice guy in the north of England, and he was I don't know what you would call them, uh, like a debt collector,
1: like a loan shark.
0: A loan shark. That's exactly what he was. And um, I was making this for television purposes. And I knew that the production company, the, the producer, was in a particular location. Now, this was really difficult because I didn't know the area at all. I was being very much led by the guy that I was in the car with who was taking us places. So I'm having to text the producer and say, oh, I'm on Talbot Street. And then by the time we, he knew where Talbot Street was, I was on Francis Street. And it was like, holy shit, I'm actually really on my own right now. And I knew on this particular day that he had asked me to stage something that they could film. He wanted me to stage an argument with the Lone Shark so that they could film. Because we'd got all of our footage at that point. So it was just a TV purposes thing. So, um, we're driving around and suddenly the loan shark on the phone and all I can hear him saying is fuck, fuck, fuck. And I'm like, Oh, what's happening? So he puts the phone down and he said, some fucker is doing an expose on me. And I'm like, Oh God. And then he was like, and this is a guy that had a baseball bat and whatever with him. And he said, when I find out who it is, I'm going to fucking kill him, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Oh God. I'm now on my own in a car with a guy who's pissed off. So what I did, and I don't know why I thought of this, I got my lipstick out of my bag and I pulled the sun visor down in the mirror and I'm putting lipstick on. And he literally he looks at me and he goes, what the fuck are you doing? And I said, well, if I'm going to be on camera, I want to look my best. So I'm putting my lippy on. And then he just looked at me and then I went, this is not, this isn't a TV crew exposing you. I said, this will be like a private investigator who's following someone who's doing benefit fraud. They've got caught out and they've had to say they're part of a TV crew so that they don't blow their cover. And he was like, yeah, that makes absolute, yeah, you're right, you're right. So he rings whoever had rung him and said, you're full of shit. This wasn't the case at all. And we continue on our way. So there there was a backstory that we had been to this house to... For him to set up a loan and obviously no one reads the paperwork that said this is 150 percent da, 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 and whatever and if you fo- default you lose your house basically so we had done all the pre stuff so the producer because it was for tv was like okay well when you come out of their house because we knew where we were going that's when i want you to say to start saying to him that's that's crap that they've just you're going to charge them that or you you know just create an argument for the say and, and start to question right. him.
1: Question his interest rates.
0: Yeah. And he was really <laughs> interesting because he became he was very friendly in the sense that he was he was a married man, but I he took a shine to me. And so he told me lots of things that he wanted to do if we were in a hotel room. And I'm like. Oh, God. Keep talking because I'm recording everything. And when this goes out on national TV, not only are you going to be exposed as a complete scumbag, criminal kind of guy, you're also going to have your wife see what you're really saying. But that was interesting because I, I, I was making, obviously, a TV show at the time. So I had numerous people that I had to be and locations I had to be. And there's only one of me. So I had to go. I had to leave him because I was employed by him I had to leave him and go to the south of the country which is was probably about six hour drive and I had to be somebody else for a few weeks so not only am I now pretending who I am for this loan shark I've now got to come up with a cover story to cover my cover story so I can't be at work for the next few weeks so my cover story to him was that I'd fallen downstairs in flip-flops. I don't know why it was important I was in flip-flops and I had sprained my ankle badly so I wouldn't be at work. So while obviously he's got the, the hots for me, he wants to send me flowers. Well, he can't have my real address because obviously it's a cover story. So I had to then say I'd gone to London, my kids in London were going to look after me and, and then when my foot was healed, I could come back to work. Was he still open for that, which I knew he would be because of more of his fantasies than anything else. And uh, so, yeah, it's a, it was, that's what we did. And I disappeared.
1: You're really weaving a, a tangled web, not unlike a maybe a cheating husband that could be a loan shark or maybe isn't a loan shark.
0: Yes. Yes. He was he yes. He was a nasty, nasty loan shark, to be fair.
1: But that's not a obviously a typical thing in, in your life now because you, you wouldn't normally be working that many undercover cases simultaneously.
0: No, I mean you it all depends what the case is. So um another case that I did was um And again, I get a phone call at midnight and from a client and say, you need to be on my private jet at 7am because I want you to go and infiltrate this. And at that point I was like, okay, well, I need to speak to people. We need to, you know, it's, it's not just a case of we get on a plane, you've got to sort your comms and, and who's doing what and then what the backstory is, um, (laughs) Unfortunately, that client was, I love him, love him, love him, still love him, but very demanding. And I'd worked for him for a very long time on various aspects of security. And so it wasn't a case that I could argue with him or say I'm not there in the morning, but maybe the day after, because that would be a case of you won't work for me again kind of scenario. So I went and I... Didn't really know what I was going to, other than he had already reported this incident to the police who said they weren't going to do anything. So I was like his next resort. And so I I get on a flight. Um, I get given a sat phone because I'm in the middle of nowhere in Australia. And so there's no comms. I've said, you know, my kids are both at school and I've said bye to the kids and I go to the outback of Australia with literally the flight time and I arrive in this little kind of tiny little town in the middle of lots of red dirt, middle of Australia. And the only time I've had to prepare or work anything out, I've had a very quick briefing from the client to say that he believed that this theft, um, it was actually theft of cattle, was going on in his, but like millions of dollars, um, was going on in his cattle ranch and over to you. And here's a sat phone. So I was like, okay, well, my cover story is that I am a woman from a divorcee from London. I'm trying to rebuild my life. This is something I've always wanted to do. The owner of this is a friend of a friend of a friend because obviously there's no got to be no connection. And he's offered me the opportunity to come and be on a cattle ranch. Now, for me, that's a dream, absolute dream, because I ride horses. So I was getting to ride horses all day. But at the real time, I had to infiltrate the the manager and get him to tell me what he was doing and get him to show me what he was doing. And I arrive, I'm, I'm tired, got terrible comms. No one really knows what's going on, my client's wants me to report to him every day, which is also, we'll talk about clients in a minute and their expectations and demands are very, very difficult.
1: Yeah. I would imagine those debriefings can be a a bit tedious.
0: You know, they want everything and they expect you, your NCIS or law and order, you know, it's, it's, it's very (laughs) demanding. So my cover story is now that I am this woman and I have taken a sat phone because I want to ring my kids every day. And so what really happens is every time I disappear on the nighttime when everyone's around the campfire having dinner to allegedly call my kids, and, and now that's got to be the right time because they're in London, wasn't calling my kids at all. It was calling the client to give him her debrief. So I didn't actually have time to call my kids because you, I couldn't show, oh, you've been away for out whatever. So I, I didn't have, really have communication with anyone but the client and then the team that were on the ground miles and miles away. And so that was hard. The hardest thing was I arrive at, at the at the ranch and I'm shown into a room with – it's an old cattle stall with lots of beds and there's a, a young couple who are like their um, – traveling around and they're, they're doing the cooking. like they, They've just got hired just to cook for the rest of the staff. And I go in this room and I'm like, oh, is this where I get to sleep? And they were like, yeah, and there's one toilet. And I'm like, oh, no, this is my worst nightmare. <laughs> and so eventually the head ranch guy, not, not the one that I was infiltrating, that was the manager, he said, oh, let, we'll find you another room. I think he was like, this poor older woman does not want to be sleeping in a room with all these all these young men and one toilet so they put me in another room and it's it's just full of spiders and frogs and frogs were coming out of the toilet and I'm like oh no and it's like 55 degrees whatever it is you know it's 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 boiling and for the whole time, I, I literally, I had to wrap myself in the duvet because I am so frightened of spiders. It's it's ridiculous. And eventually I had to say to one of the guys, I'm really frightened of spiders and I can't sleep. And he said, well, I am too. So we're, we're in this together. I'm like, you're a cowboy. Like, how can you be frightened of spiders? I have an excuse. Um, and so basically we I had to live that life. And it was amazing and fantastic but I also knew I had a job to do at the at that time and the actual guy the target was very very alpha male in the sense that who's this stupid British woman who just wants to ride horses so I knew that he was going to be really tough to to break so then when you're undercover in that situation you've got to look for their weakness what is their weakness how can you do this like me just befriending someone is not necessarily going to work well, he had a wife, so I knew that his wife, and she lived on the ranch, and they just had a baby, and here's a woman who's on the ranch, and she's not used to having women around, and so she became, that's who I now have to befriend in order to access and get his confidence and his trust, and that's basically what I did and how I did it, and over a time, and again, these are slow burn things, they're not, oh, I'm going to do this straight away, because I... I became her confidant in time. I became his. I always made that I was riding at the side of him. He then started bitching about my client, which I knew was a, oh yeah, I, I, I've heard about him. I've heard that he's an asshole, blah, blah, blah. So you you have to do that role to the point where I planted with them. You need to go away. You You guys need to go away. You just had a baby. You're here all the time. I can look after the ranch for the weekend. I'm here. Which they agreed to. I'm not really sure how, other than the fact that he really wasn't that into the ranch. He was into the money and he was into the whatever else he could do that made him money. And so anyway, they disappeared for the weekend and left me in charge. I mean, I was in my element. I was feeding foals with bottles and, you know, I was rounding up cows and trying to learn how to lasso and I I was having –
1: a dream. Really getting kind of lost in this this part that you're playing.
0: I was loving every second, yeah. And then they disappeared for the weekend, and that allowed us to have access to things that um, we hadn't had access to before. And so a team then came in, my team then came in, and then obviously I'm still maintaining a relationship with them, still talking to them. We did things we needed to do established what was really going on, which was way more than the theft of the the cattle. And I'm being a little bit evasive because obviously I have to be. And then the what happened was my team are at the house and we've discovered firearms that we shouldn't have discovered. They then say they're coming back early. And it's like, oh shit, we have a team here doing stuff and they're coming back early. So then it's like oh me going into panic, getting the team out. Me obviously, you know, trying to encourage them stay away longer, everything's fine, sending them pictures of everything being fine and and eventually getting my guys away and gone and clear, which which they did. And so anyway, they they came back and we briefed the, with the client and the clients now, oh this is way more serious than we first thought we want you out of there. So, I've got to n- now extract myself, but they've got to th- still think that I am exactly who I said I've been for obvious reasons we don't want to you know, alert anyone. So, I leave. I'm exhausted. I've been there for for weeks and and it's really high you're constantly living on that adrenaline, that stress, that everything because, you know, the minute or if anything goes wrong, you don't know how someone's going to respond. They may be the nicest people when you're dealing with them in your, in your fake world, but if they find out what happens, then, you you know, anything could go wrong.
1: I would imagine you weren't the only person on the ranch when they went away. So did you have to then come up with another cover story for then this team of people that are coming in or was that just totally covert? So nobody actually saw them.
0: Yeah. That, that was like, no one, no one, I know they did know cause we, we had, but there was like only a couple of people who were left. Right. Yeah. Um, and they were just, these guys were coming in to do maintenance. I think that was the the story that we used. Okay. Um, so they, and because it's, my clients' property and house, it's they're just like living there because they have hold the position. So,
1: so there's there's a pretty elaborate staff already. So, it's not that hard to make a few people blend in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but we did have minimal people there at the weekend. It was kind of, you know, I think we the, the way that we did it was we kind of got rid of most people to go have a because you had to leave that place because it was in the middle of nowhere. So, people would work for two weeks and then go for you know 4 days or whatever it, it was and so then they wanted me out so the they the client actually flew me out cuz there's a there was a landing strip and he it was uh he had a plane so he came in and took me out and i said that i had to go back there'd been an emergency in perth and um i'd been called i'd got to go back and i was It was a friend, you know, it was, the whole story was I just got to go back to Perth, not that I was going back to London. And so we left and I remember that my client flew me back to Perth in his private jet and I was really tired. And so I'm like, and I'm so excited. I get to go get a proper shower and see my kids and everything's fantastic. And his driver is driving me from the airport. So I've flown to Perth. His driver collects me to drive me home. And I knew, obviously knew his driver. And we literally get to the bottom and there was a big hill up to my house. And we, we get to the bottom of this hill and I get a phone call from the client saying, you need to turn around and you need to be at this location. I'm like, seriously, can I just, please, can I just go home and get changed? And it was actually to meet with the police um, because now they, they were bringing the police back on board. I was like, oh, really? I'm not going to, I can't argue with the client. So I did what I was told. And then from that meeting, it was a case of, we need you to go back. We're going to do a warrant and we need you to go back and be there to make it look real that you are not part of it because that jeopardizes you and your safety. So... That's what I did. I was flown back up there and I went back and continued for a couple of days while the police did whatever they needed to do and um, they did what they needed to do and then the client wanted surveillance. Even when the police were doing their stuff, the client wanted private surveillance on the target. So a new team came and uh, they did surveillance that was just a complete shit show because we're in the middle of nowhere so you've not got a lot of cover everyone knows everyone so suddenly you've got a team who no one knows who they are and we went to hire vehicles and their hiring of the vehicles the woman was actually connected to the target I think it was sister and so you're like, oh, no. So now what you got it, obviously, you've got a cover story as why well, you're there. But of course, the lady hiring out the vehicles, the only place in this town that you can get a hire vehicle from. Honestly, it was just a complete nightmare. So that's all happened up there. And it's, it's back with the police. Fantastic. Then one of the guys who was believed to, what we'd established, believed to be transporting the cattle, the stolen cattle, I had to befriend him. That was part of one of obviously establishing who that was while I was on the ranch. I had to befriend him. So I had to be very flirty and, and swap numbers. And he was like the least person on this earth that I would ever date (laughs) ever, ever (laughs) not being rude, but he, he really was. So I'm befriending him, so then I have to engage with him and create a a story of how I'd love to go on a date with him whenever I was back in Perth.
1: You didn't automatically friend zone him and try to establish the relationship. That way you you actually had to perpetuate the idea that there, there could be romance in the future.
0: Yes. Yes, I did.
1: While still playing the part of this wealthy divorcee from yes
0: he thought all his christmases had come at once to be honest (laughs) but so then so that's all happening and then the client wants me to meet with and and there's there's obviously the police were involved at this point and um which was great because it's like and they were amazing they were amazing i will say um They were so supportive, but my client was very well-connected with senior police, and they were absolutely brilliant. So then I have to go on a date with this guy. Firstly, I know that he's involved in all of this bad stuff. Secondly, least attractive person I've ever probably met. I don't think he even had teeth. I think he only had one tooth.
1: So you're you're really stretching (laughs) your Ability as an actress at this point, because you you also have to to act like you are at least somewhat attracted to this. uh, Yes, ranch hand.
0: Yeah, he he was the transportation. He he drove a truck. He lived in his truck. Let's just say that said it all. He was like, you know, I live in my truck. We could have a night in my truck. Oh, fantastic! I'm thinking more like the Nobu Hotel, but you know.
1: whatever i wonder though if it, that would be better than the corner of the shed that you're living
0: in well true less spiders maybe, probably uh, be, maybe
1: an improvement <laughs> maybe.
0: see it's not glamorous whoever thinks this world is glamorous please come stay out hang out with me for a bit and you'll soon learn but so we we go on the date and we so it's all again everything is pre-set there's a team that are going to be in there that are recording this and we've got comms. I get there before him so I can locate the table. I mean, it's it's down to fine detail. And he comes in and we have a drink. And of course, I've got smart ass team in my ear. With all the comments that you can imagine, and I'm like, okay, here we go. They they are like we we honestly, you know, we didn't realise he was that unattractive. (laughs) Like I'm like, I did say. Um, Anyway, um, that's and I can be rude about him because he wasn't a nice person. But um, anyway, so we have this date, and he just goes, he tells me. Everything he tells me who's doing what what his involvement is everything because he's trying to impress me and obviously I'm trying to lead lead the lead what I need out of him because I, I've got the background knowledge and he tells me everything and I'm sat there going wow anyway we come to leave and he goes in for the kiss <laughs>
1: at at which point you were probably elated that he had just blown the entire operation. I'm surprised you you didn't succumb to his advances at that point.
0: I mean, there's, there's certain lines, Adam, you never cross. And this is one of them. And obviously the guys is obviously is still filming and see it. And I. I wish that we were actually videoing this conversation because I'm going to show you what happened. So he grabs me around the neck when we're outside the restaurant and he obviously thinks, because I've let him believe that there's a, a second date happening or maybe, you know, he's thinking we could go to the cab of my truck right now. And he grabs me around the neck and he literally goes full on in and I just go, natural instincts, not acting ability, just go backwards like, Hell no! Like, and then you and then you go. Oh, I may have to talk to this person again. So then you you do cl- click back into you know that's uh, and that's very strictly one of my boundaries <laughs> that and doing anything illegal. But I was just like oh, and then he was he obviously went oh, and I was like oh, you know I never kiss on my first date. That was what came out of my mouth, and he said well then we definitely have to have a second and i was like definitely and we parted ways and i disappeared from his life
1: because at that point there wasn't really there wasn't a lot more information that you you needed from him
0: no and the police were involved now so um they got the information that they needed and that they could act on and and that was it and 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 i literally disappeared you know and i <laughs> i probably i mean ghosted him properly ghosted him
1: because at that point were they ready to were the police basically ready to swoop in
0: the police the police at that point um would I I kind of stepped out from the police I I obviously I helped them and I gave them statements and footage because they they had known that I was doing it um and even it was it was really interesting because when they put me back in for a day or two that's really unheard of, but it was the only way that they could get their, their stuff ready in order to do warrants. So at at that point it kind of just became their job. And, and to, to this day it's their job, you know, that, that's my bit done because I'm not a cop and I, I, you know, I don't do cop stuff and I can't arrest anyone or detain anyone and, and no different to any other person. But it was, it was a full-on time and it was a full-on operation. And it was very stressful, stressful for reasons of, you know, living like that and be, and it was long, long days. You know, cattle ranching is long days. You get up when the sun rises and you go to bed when the sun sets, which was obviously early. But, you know, you were 14-hour days, 12 hours in a saddle. And I think, I mean, and I I ride horses all like, but that's a lot. Also, you, you know, you like doing, you're doing two jobs. So yeah, it, it like, it's, you have the police. When I did that infiltration, it was about being a good police officer first and foremost. And the, the undercover side was something very separate because of what I was doing. And, you know, that was one of my very, I was really solid about that. I was a police officer first, and that I reacted as a police officer before anything else. The other was a subsidiary. In this role, obviously, you are acting as a undercover person in order to get information. So the kind of the the ranch hand was secondary. However, it becomes the primary role because without doing that, you can't you can't do the the infiltration and you can't gather evidence so it is it's like having two full-time jobs for many many hours every single day whenever you do this and it's really tiring and really really stressful it's it's just a different world and one that I spoke to somebody this week and they said oh this isn't this isn't like the movies because it's real yeah it's real Olivia Benson it's real Me and her would so need to chat so badly. (laughs) Having the ability to hide in plain sight can be extremely effective when pursuing criminals. Though operations don't always go as planned, there's an art to staying a step ahead of a target and the intel we gather is invaluable. Until next time, I'm Nina Hobson and this has been code name Siren